Good morning, Kavanaugh. Will you stand with us? Let's worship together. Amen, amen. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing today? Good. That's awesome. I'm so, to, so glad to hear the enthusiasm. How's everyone doing? 
Yes, it's a great Sunday. We're so glad that you're here. We're happy to see you and very thankful that you made it back here this weekend. We hope everyone's had a great weekend. I know we're scattered through, everywhere throughout the week, but I hope you've been able to find time today to find some, someone here today, be able to connect, fellowship, and uh, catch up because God is doing amazing things in all of our lives, and I hope and pray that you guys are experiencing that experiencing that grace in yours. Um, it's good to hear other people's stories too. We know that we have an, an awesome Sunday prepared for us. Uh, we're really excited. I know all the kids are excited right now. They're getting jacked up on candy right now. You thought last week was awesome, which it was, all right? It was great. It was like the ultimate Funhouse Sunday, but those kids are going to get so much candy today. It's, it's unreal. So get ready. Get ready. But uh, God has some amazing stuff in, here, in store for us in here as well, and we're excited that you're here to experience that together. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for being here today. There's a little Connect card in the chair back in front of you. If you could, fill that out, and then right after service, you can take that out those back doors. Uh, there's a little Connect counter. And uh, we'd love to be able to get to know your family, tell you about what's going on in our church, everything from C groups, which starts today, to our Wednesday night services, to all the different things that are going on throughout the church. We want you to be involved and in the know and, and plugged in. So we'd love to connect with you and your family. Uh, with all that being said, um, again, it's glad to ha we're so glad to have you here, and I'm going to ask you all to stand and ask God's anointing on our services today. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for bringing us back into this place, God. We love our church and uh, so thankful to be able to have a place where we can come, that freedom to be able to come and to be able to worship and celebrate you, God. As Brother Will brings the message today, open our hearts and our eyes so we can be the people that you want us to be, God. We want to be a light to this world um, and be a bold witness for you. So help us and instill in us the courage to be able to do that uh, for, for, from this day forward. In your name, amen. Greet those around you and we'll get started in a few moments. Oh, oh. 
for 
Spirit. 
to letting your spirit flow in so that you can handle all this, this life's problems and issues. God, we know we all have them, financial relationship struggles, God, illness, health. God, you can move. You can take care of all of those things. We just need to be open to listening to your word and letting your spirit move through us. And I pray, God, that as Brother Will brings the message today, that we would hear when you're moving and what you have to say to us and when you speak because you can change the room God and you can change whatever room that is and I'm just so thankful for the ways that you've moved within me and within my family and I pray God continued blessings upon this entire service no matter what's going on in this building and I thank you God most of all for sending your son Jesus who died upon the cross so that we may have this way to free eternal life. And I pray, God, there's anybody here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that they would come and accept that free gift. And it's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Wasn't that great? That's fantastic. Some, so yeah, go ahead and give them a hand. Some, somebody get a little oxygen for Sister Dawn. Boy, I tell you, thank you, thank you, Dawn. That was, that was absolutely awesome. So glad that you're here, and uh, we have this opportunity to look into God's Word together today. Today, today is a new beginning for a new series and a new period of growth for Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church. Today is the day we start our new six weeks C group studies, and it's going to go on uh, this week and then for the next five weeks. If you haven't signed up for a C group, you can do that still today. Get involved in a group. It's going to be a fantastic Bible study on the ABCs of salvation and how you can become a witness for Jesus and a soul winner. So pick up one of the books there on one of these back tables, sign up for a C group, and then get involved in whichever group that, uh, that you want to join and be a part of. Along with our C group study, I'm going to be preaching a series of sermons entitled On Mission, and all of these sermons are coming from the book of Acts, where we have the new church, and they are so excited to be believers in Jesus 
that they are sharing their faith with everyone they come in contact with. They literally become the hands, feet, and the voice of Jesus. They take serious the fact that they are an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and they are boldly telling other people about the Lord. We're going to look at being on mission this morning with Mission Possible, and it starts in Acts chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verses 6 through 11, but let me just tell you what's happening up until this point. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross. He's been buried in the tomb. He rose from the grave, and he's been with his disciples for the last 40 days. Here in Acts chapter 1, he tells them, I want you guys to stay here in the city of Jerusalem until God sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you the power to be my witness into the whole world. But you stay right here until the Holy Spirit comes, fills you with power, and you become my witness. And that's what we're going to talk about today, being a witness for Jesus. What is a witness? A witness is simply someone who speaks from personal experience about what they know to be true. Something has happened to you. You know it's the truth, and based on the personal experience that you have had, you can speak the truth. And we're talking about being a witness for Jesus. So what has Jesus done for you? Has he done something for you? If so, you know that is the truth in your life, And when you speak that truth, you are being his witness. So how are you doing at telling other people the truth about Jesus? In order to establish the truth of something, there are six questions called reporter's questions that are often asked. Who, what, when, where, why, and how? Who, what, when, where, why, and how? Our passage that we're about to read answers all six questions of those questions as we think about being a witness for Jesus. So Jesus has said, you guys stay right here in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is coming. And then we pick up in verse number six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you just saw him go into heaven. What an amazing passage of scripture. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word today. Help us to become the witness that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I can sum my whole sermon up into one sentence. I've got more to say than just one sentence, but here's my whole sermon in one sentence. We're called to witness where we are, but not stay where we are. 
You are called to be a witness right where you're at, but you can't just stay where you're at. You've got to go to the end of the earth telling people about Jesus. Now, let's answer these six reporter questions. And the first has to do with perspective. One of the first things a witness establishes is when something occurred. Now, while the disciples were focused on the future, Jesus wanted them to be focused on the present. Some of you are focused on what you're about to eat for lunch. I'm needing you to focus on what we're talking about right here. Others of you are focused on what's going to happen at 325. Can the Cowboys come back from their defeat last week and beat the Patriots today? Don't worry about that. Let's talk about what's important right now. Jesus wanted his disciples to be focused on the here and the now. We see this in verses 6 and 7. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, and the tense of this is they've asked him this before, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said back to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And again, the the tense of the disciples' question indicates that this is a question they had repeatedly asked him over the last three years. Their question actually represented a strong faith in Jesus as sovereign Lord who would one day rule and reign as king over their kingdom. They were also eager to see God's glory fill the earth, and they wanted to know if this is the time that was going to happen. You see, they they still didn't have their spiritual focus on They were still looking out of eyes of the flesh, and they thought Jesus was going to establish this earthly kingdom, and he was going to give Israel the reign, not only over their country, but over the world. They they were looking for that. And, And what better time to establish a political kingdom than right now. Jesus just died on the cross. He was just buried in the tomb. But then three days later, he beat death grave in the hell and he came back to life. I mean, what a great time to assume your throne as king of the universe when you just came out of the grave. That's what they're thinking. Are you going to do that right now, Jesus? So Jesus doesn't rebuke them for the question. Instead, what he tries to do is refocus and redirect them. He tells them they don't need to know or be concerned about God's timing. In in, in fact, really what he's saying is, that's God's business, none of yours. God is going to establish his kingdom, but when he does that is none of your concern. So what he's, he's doing here is saying you don't need to be thinking about the timing of things because the time is now for you to assume the task that I'm giving you. Don't, don't, I love prophecy, don't you? I mean, I love to read about end times. I, I love to think about when Jesus comes back and, and establishes his kingdom and, and when he calls an end to all this and we get to go to heaven. I love to think about those things, but you know what? Sometimes we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. 
And it's okay to think about those things, but you know what? We, we need to be concentrated on what we're doing right now. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, you don't worry about God's timing in kingdom work. What you need to do is concentrate on the task that I have called you to. You've got a job to do right now. And that is to tell the world of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's your job. And, and you know what? I've, I've got to stop and ask myself the question, Am I taking this task seriously? Am I taking the time to do what God has called me to do? When are you going to, to you know, and I, 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 I'm not harping on you, I'm not getting on to you, but guys, listen to me. We do have, we've got a job to do. As a believer in Jesus Christ, if the world is going to know, we've got to tell them. When in the world are we going to start doing it? Oh, you know, I've, I've thought about inviting somebody to church, or I've, I've thought about being a witness for Jesus. We need to stop thinking about it and start doing it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Here's the perspective. The time is now. Do it. Do it now. Second thing that he talks about are people. The disciples' perspective was locked into when God was going to set up his kingdom. And now at the first part of verse 8, we see Jesus telling them, who he was going to use to accomplish his work. So people are the who. He said in verse 8, but you. But who? But you. The word but is a term of contrast suggesting a change of direction. They wanted to talk about prophecy. They wanted to know about prophecy. But Jesus wanted them to focus on proclamation. The word you shows this is a personal command for every follower of Jesus Christ. Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? If, if so, raise your hand. If you're on God's team, raise your hand. Okay, so this is for you. You are the you in this passage. The word you shows that this is a personal command for you, the follower of Jesus. J. Vernon McGee said it this way, it's our business to get God's word out into the world. That's our job. We are the who. Verse number eight contains the last recorded statement of Jesus in the Bible. The final command of Jesus must become our first concern because Jesus continues his work today through individuals and through the institution that we call the church. I like the way David Platt says it in this regard. The church is not a building to see or to sit in. The church is a movement to join. It's me and you. It's us. If the world is going to hear, it's because we tell them. That was God's plan. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He did his part, and now he's calling us, his followers, to do our part. And if the world is going to hear, it's because you care enough about them to tell them. You. You are the who. Raise your hand again if you're a you. There you go. God's counting on you. We're called to witness where we are, but not stay where we are. Third thing I want to talk about is power. 
Jesus not only told them they were the people he wanted to use, but he also informed them how, answering the how question, he was going to do it in the second part of verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The promised Holy Spirit will give them everything they need to do all they were called to do. And it's the same for us. God has given us everything we need to be a witness for him. The word power is used 10 times in the book of Acts, and it is the Greek word from which we get our English word dynamite. So that's how powerful this word is. Acts chapter 4:31 tells us what happened when Christ's followers were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, all right? He's already told them, you stay in Jerusalem until God sends the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, he says, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And that happened in Acts chapter 4, 31, which says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. So they were together in a prayer meeting, and all of a sudden, this building they were in started shaking. And that's where we stop. We're all caught up in the shaking part. There was a whole lot of shaking going on. And we find that amazing. That's great. Oh, Lord, shake this place. Come on, shake us. And that is exciting, and that is great. But you need to see the result of that shaking. What did it result in? They were filled with power, and they spoke the truth of Jesus with boldness. They weren't afraid. They just just went out and shared the good news of the gospel. Dr. Howard Hendricks offers this great insight. He said, it's not you are going to be witnesses and then receive the power, but the other way around. You are going to receive power, the result of which is You are going to be my witnesses. And notice it's not if the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The phrase has come in in verse number eight, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to come upon you, is in the aorist tense, which indicates the Spirit's coming will be a definite historic event. And that did happen on the day of Pentecost. And you know what? It still happens. It takes place immediately on the conversion of every believer who invites Jesus into their heart and confesses him as Lord of their life. The moment you are saved, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the power of God's Spirit living inside of you. And you don't need to miss how important this is. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are powerless. Without his help, we are helpless. Without him fortifying us, you know what? We're going to be too afraid to open our mouths and witness for him. But with his power, we can do anything he tells us to do. We can speak to anyone he tells us to speak to. We can be his witnesses to the end of the age. You know what? We're called to be a witness where we are, but not stay where we are. Number four is the plan. In the next part of verse eight, we see what the disciples were called to be. 
and you will be my witnesses. Now, church, this is both a command and a commission. Look again at that phrase, and you will be my witnesses. It's more of a matter of being than it is something we're doing. Jesus doesn't say, you shall do witnessing. No, he says, you shall be my witness. We're not merely to bear witness. We are to be witnesses. To put it another way, you are already a witness. If you've been born again, if you're saved, if you're in the family of faith, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then you know what? You are a witness. You are his ambassador. Big question is, what is it that you're communicating? What are you witnessing to? I I can't remember exactly when this was. I just know I was somewhere and I saw something and I decided to take a picture of it. This is unusual for me. I don't do this kind of thing. But but I saw this right here and I thought, oh, that's cool. I'm going to take a picture and, and share it with my kids. And then I never send it to my kids. And I was looking through my pictures the other day, and I saw this picture, and I says, why did I take that picture? And then it dawned on me, because it's going to be a sermon illustration today. (laughs) See all the stickers on that van? Now, let me just stop right here and ask, does that van belong to any of you? Okay. I can't remember where this was that I took this picture, so it might be one of yours. I I hope it not, because of what I'm about to say. But I I saw that, and I just chuckled. I laughed. I said, you know, that's, that's funny. And then I walked over it and I started looking at all those stickers. And, and they're kind of spooky, man. Really, from a distance it looks funny and fun and exciting. You walk up close and look at the, it's scary, spooky. And I thought to myself, you know what? I don't think I would want to be locked up into a small room with the person who owns this van. <laughs> Without even knowing them, without ever seeing them, that's what they're advertising, though. This is who they are for the whole world to see. And, and, and you know what? It, it, it brought a couple of questions to my mind to consider. What are people reading when they take a close look at my life? What is it that I am advertising with my life? What kind of a witness am I being by the things that I say and the actions I do and the clothes that I wear and the places I go? What, what, what am I advertising? What kind of witness are you? Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. And we need to take that... <laughs> seriously because we are his witnesses and if people are going to change their sinful ways it's going to be because they see something different inside of us they see the hope the joy of knowing Jesus and they're going to want a little bit of what we got what are we advertising there's really two meanings of you will be my witnesses. First, we are to witness about Jesus as 
as we report his redemptive work in our life, as we speak and tell other people what he's done for us, that, that is a witness. We're telling someone what he's done. Secondly, we are to witness of Jesus, meaning we belong to him and are sent out as his ambassadors. And so we're witnessing by our lifestyle, by what we do say and what we don't say, by where we do go and where we don't go. We're his witnesses. A witness is one who has seen and heard and experienced the explosive, life-changing power of Jesus Christ in their life. He's made a difference in their life. He's made a difference in your life. And you're telling people about that. Jesus said it this way in Luke 24, 48. You are witnesses of these things. What things? The things he's done for you. Acts 4, 20 describes the work of a witness. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. The word witness is found 29 times in the book of Acts. Here's just a few of those verses. Chapter 2, 32. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Acts 10, 39. And we are witnesses of all that he, Jesus, did. 22, 15. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. That's our job, guys. That's what we've been called to. It's our lifestyle to be a witness of what Jesus has done in our life. Now, that frightens a lot of you in this room. You're shaking in your shoes right now. Let me just calm your nerves. You don't have to be an expressive evangelist to be a witness. You don't have to be a persuasive pastor. Our job is not to be a prosecutor or even a defense attorney. Our work is to simply be a witness who reports what we have experienced and what we know to be the truth. If Jesus has changed your life, you've got something to say about it. You've got a story to tell. You don't have to have all the answers to be a witness. You don't have to have the Bible memorized to be a witness. You don't have to be eloquent or convincing or even clever. All you have to do is speak the truth, just like the man in John chapter 9, verse 25, who was healed by Jesus. And then they were asking him all of these questions. He said, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know the answer to any of that. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I can see. Why? Because Jesus touched him and changed him, man. That's what a witness is. Here's one of the best definitions of a witness I've ever heard. A witness is anyone who cooperates with the Holy Spirit in telling other people about Jesus. Hmm. Wow. You can do that. You can. Number five, the place where we're to do it. In the last part of verse eight, Jesus makes it clear where he wants you and I to be his witness. He said, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. While he wanted his disciples to wait in Jerusalem 
for the power of the Holy Spirit to come on their lives and then to be a witness of him in Jerusalem. Jesus never intended the gospel to just stay in Jerusalem. That's where it started, but it wasn't to stay there. In a similar way, we're to start in our neighborhoods sharing the gospel, and then we are to scatter that out into the nations. Did you get that? We start in our neighborhoods, then we go to the nations of the world. It's not an either or, but it is a both and, because listen to me, you and I, our church, this generation, is responsible to each all four of these spheres that Jesus mentioned here. We are to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, the ends of the earth in our own generation. Now, it helps me to flesh out Acts 1-8 this way. What is my Jerusalem? Well, my Jerusalem is my community. It's right here where I live. It's, it's 905 Cary Lane, my street. It's 2825 Grinnell, 2828 Briarcliff, the church area. That, this community, that, that's my Jerusalem. That's where it's to start. I am to go right here where I live and tell people about Jesus. But I don't just stay here. No, I, I go on to my Judea. What's our Judea? To me, it's the river valley. It's, it's our counties that are around here. It's the, it's the, the cities around where we live, the, the states of Arkansas and Oklahoma. What is my Samaria? Well, it's our country, the, the United States of America. And then the ends of the earth. That, that is the continents of the world. So it starts here in my neighborhood. And it goes to the ends of the earth. And guess what? Look at me. You are responsible to get the gospel to all four regions. God's given you that responsibility. As a believer, that's your job. As a church, it's our job. John Piper reminds us we have three choices in doing this. We can go. I can go. I can go to my neighborhoods. I can, I can go to my community, my, my, my counties around me, my country. I can go anywhere in the United States. I can even go to the ends of the earth. I can go to the continents of the world. I can go. We can go. Number two, we can send people. I, I may not be able to go to Japan. We've got some great missionaries, Free Will Baptist missionaries, who are tearing it up in Japan. I may never have the privilege to go to Japan, but you know what? I can send people to Japan. I can pray for those missionaries who are there. So we can go, we can send people, or option number three, John Piper says, we can simply disobey. But you're going to do one, two, or three, maybe a couple not the last one. We, we don't want to be guilty of that. You, you know what? We're called to be witnesses where we are, but not stay where we are. We've looked at the when, who, how, what, where. Let's, let's end by looking at the why we should be a witness. And I'm calling that the promise. In verses 9 through 11, Jesus tells us why we are to be his witnesses in our neighborhood and to the nations of the world. Listen to what he says. And when he had said these things, 
as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. That's pretty amazing. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by in white robes, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same manner as you just saw him go into heaven. That is awesome. As the disciples are locked onto the Lord, they watch gravity as it loses its power and he is lifted up into a cloud. Wow. The word gazing and the word looking mean to fasten the eyes upon, to look intently at something. And they are standing there in absolute amazement. Their jaw is down to their feet. They have seen some amazing things over the last three years under the ministry of Jesus. Now they are seeing something that is absolutely mind-boggling. There he goes. He's just floating up into the clouds. And they are looking and they are gazing. They can't take their eyes off of the clouds. And then these two angels say this to them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was just taken up from you into heaven, he will come in the same way as you just saw him go into heaven. And to me, the implication is clear from the angels. Guys, stop staring. Stop looking. Stop, stop being amazed. He's coming back. Don't worry about it. You just, you just saw him go. He's going to come back the same way. Don't worry about it. You don't worry about the timing of God's plan. Jesus is coming again. Stop staring and start sharing. I worked really hard on that, and I don't think you got it. Stop staring. Stop wasting your time. Stop doing nothing and start doing what you've been made to do. Start doing what you've been called to do. Start doing what you've been commissioned to do. Start being the people of God that he can count on to reach the nations of the world. Guys, let me tell you, that is our job. It comes down to that single thing. While we wait for his return, we literally become the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. It's our job. It's our calling. If the world is going to hear, if lost people are going to be saved, it's because we invite them to Jesus. Whew, man. Whew. Hmm. I like how the King James translates what Jesus said in Luke 19, 13. He said, occupy till I come. <laughs> Let's do something, guys. Let's do the work of the ministry. Let's do what we've been called to do. And let me tell you, I, I, don't, know, I don't know how else to say this. If you are a Christian, if you're on God's team, if you expect to go to heaven, he expects you to be telling people about him. He's called you to be his witness. He's empowered you to be his witness. And that's what we are to do, to witness. 
It kind of reminds me of what happened when, when a church put on an Easter cantata. How many of y'all remember when we did living pictures here at the church years ago, okay? It was, it was kind of an Easter cantata, had a big choir that sang. We were over in the other building, and, and we depicted the life and ministry of Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Y'all, Joy, you remember who Jesus was? It was your guy, or the Jason right there. A few years ago, Brother Jason, you, we still have the wig that Jason wore. It's, it's in a vault. It's locked up in a vault because it was such an expensive wig. Beautiful wig. He grew a big beard. He was, he was Jesus. And man, it was, it, it was an awesome, awesome performance. But if you remember back then, at the end of our living pictures, we had a harness for Jason that he wore under his robe. And in that last scene, he ascended up into the ceiling and disappeared. We, 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 had a, uh, we had an electric hoist that Steve Jones got for us, a winch, that they just pushed the button and there, there, there went Jason. And if you remember the other building over there, there, there's just a little space that you can't see from the congregation. And so as Jason went up into that thing, he just started scrunching down and he had to hold himself in a ball for a long time, didn't you? Until we ended that service. So there was, there was another church that was doing something like that. They had, they had a Jesus like our brother Jason, and, and they had a harness on him, but they didn't have a winch like we had. They had men behind stage that were just pulling him, okay? And as they got him almost above into the ceiling, they lost grip on that rope, and here came Jesus right back down. Luckily, they were able to grab the rope and stop Jesus right before he hit the stage, all right? And with awesome stage presence, Jesus remained in character as his feet dangled just inches from the floor, and his bewildered disciples looked on in horror. (laughs) And without skipping a beat, Jesus said, oh yeah, one more thing. Tell others what you have seen and heard. Be my witness. And then they just yanked Jesus up and he went (laughs) up in the sky. That's our message today. And and as I land this message, here's, here's a question I want you to ponder. Have you ever wondered why, when God saved you, why he left you here? I mean, doesn't it make more sense that immediately when he saves us, he just zaps us to heaven? Immediately when we become a child of God, doesn't it make sense that he just take us to heaven to get us out of the mess we're in down here? Wouldn't that solve a lot of life's problems? We, we wouldn't have to deal with pain and heartache and, and sickness and financial ruin and, and all the sin that's going on. He'd just, he'd just zap us out of here and we're gone. Have you ever wondered that? Why, why does he leave us here? Well, I think the answer is very obvious. He left you on planet Earth because he's got something for you to do. His plan is for all the world to know the salvation that Jesus has provided to mankind. He wants the ends of the earth to know. He wants the nations of the world to have the opportunity to be saved and to go to heaven. Because he loves the whole world. 
And if they are going to hear, if they are going to have a chance to hear, if they are going to be given an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Savior and go to heaven, it is because we have taken seriously our calling to be his witness. And that's all he's asking you to do is tell people about Jesus. You don't have to worry about the results. That's on him. All you have to do is be willing to open your mouth. I told first service, I went to a cowboy shoot last couple of days over in Oklahoma. It's in Cushing, Oklahoma. Anybody ever been to Cushing? Cushing's not that big. It's a, it's a, it's a great match. Cowpoke, you know the match. Scott Wayne puts it on. He has a wonderful facility. They gave big old belt buckles to first place winners. I didn't get one this time, so kind of bummed about that. But it's, it's a great match, great food, great scenarios, great targets, great fun. But for some reason, it was not well attended. Only 75 people showed up for it, and there should have been 150 there. And so the guy that was passing out the awards, he, it, it's not Scott Wayne, it was somebody else that, that was helping him, said, hey guys, come on, let's, let, let's help old Scott Wayne out here. He's done a lot of work on this range, and this is a great cowboy shoot, so next year, you come back and then invite one person to come with you. Make sure one person comes with you. He said, what we can do is turn 75 into 150 people. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting back there scratching my head thinking, this guy, I know he doesn't even go to church, but he could be a preacher. <laughs> because you've heard a preacher say that. You've heard me say that. We've got somewhere between 500 and 600 people in this church today between our two services. But you know what? If this next week you just went out and invited one person and said, come with me to church. I'll, I'll take you to lunch afterwards. You, we can spend some time together. I'll come by and pick you up. And you brought one person. Guess what? We would double what we have here today. Now, I'm not a great mathematician. I'm kind of like Jeffro Bodine. <laughs> but can I tell you, that is amazing, is it not? Yet that's what we have been called to do. And if your family members who are lost without Christ and without hope are not told about the salvation of Jesus, they are going to die and go to hell. If you love them, you're going to tell them. There are people on your street that are without Christ. They're not in any church today. Don't we love them enough to invite them to our church? Love them enough to tell them about Jesus? We're just called to be a witness. We're just called to invite them, to speak truth to them, to tell them what Jesus has done for us. God's going to work on the other end. Don't worry about the results. Just do what God has called you to do. Will you? Can God count on you? W would you come to the altar this morning and pray with me? Lord, you can count on me. I'm, I'm gonna be, I want to be a witness for you. 
I'm going to speak truth for you. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to join a C group, and I'm going to learn the ABCs of evangelism. I'm going to learn how to do that and tell people about you, Lord. And oh yeah, Lord, while I'm up here, let me, let me just pray for a family member of mine. Let me pray for my cousin who's without Jesus. Let me pray for my nephew who I know is living in sin. And you call those names out to Jesus and ask God to give you the courage to give them a call. Speak some truth to them. Maybe you're here today and you're without Christ yourself. You're without hope. You've never, you've never invited Jesus into your heart. I can't think of a better place or time for you to be saved than right here. And I invite you to come. Heavenly Father, would you do something amazing in this room today? Lord, start a revival in our hearts and in our church. Give us, give us a concern and a burden for lost souls. Help us to become soul winners. Help us to come today to the altar and just lay our life before you and say, Lord, use me. Help me to speak to my friends and family members and tell them about Jesus. Help, help me to invite somebody to church where they can hear the truth and be set free. Lord, bless our church. Help us to be a light in this river valley. Help us to tell other people about you. Would you come and do that? As we stand right now with heads bowed and eyes closed and as they sing, would you join me right now? Stand up. As you stand up, just step out. Come pray for somebody who's lost. Pray for a lost soul today, would you? Lord, I do love you, and I thank you for the Holy Spirit who empowers us to speak boldly for you. 
And I pray, dear Lord, that we would do that this week, starting today, that we would tell other people what you have done for us and be your witness. Lord, for those who are going through difficult times, have problems in their life, I pray that they would completely trust in you today and receive victory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can be seated just for a moment. Thank you for being here today. Make sure you pick up an ABC of Evangelism Bible Study. Join a C group, and let's get started on being a soul winner. If you're a member of Kavanaugh, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes on the way out. If you're a guest, please fill out one of those guest cards, take it to our Connect counter. We'll give you a, a gift for that card, okay? Pretty good deal. Uh, this Wednesday night, we got church for all ages, and in the adults, I'm on the rotation to preach, so pray for me as I speak to the crowd on Wednesday. It's a tough group Wednesday night, and uh, so pray about that. Uh, golfing for Kids is going to happen tomorrow at Hard Scrabble Country Club. The benefits go to Young Home. Uh, Miss Deborah is needing volunteers, people to help with that event, so see her as soon as the service is over with. God bless you. You are loved by your pastor, but more than that, you're loved by God. So be a witness for him this week. We will see you.